This episode is brought to you by Element Kombucha. Kombucha is an incredibly delicious drink with a ton of amazing health benefits, primarily gut health. It's got those good bacterias. Yes, some bacterias are good. I've actually got a bottle of Element Kombucha in my hand. This one is called Summer Vibes. So let's take a sip. Oh, wow. Oh yeah, that's the first time trying this particular flavor and it is delicious. My other favorites are the Mountain Oolong as well as the Jasmine Hibiscus. Elements brewing process maintains the traditional methods and ingredients that people have been brewing kombucha with for thousands of years. Each flavor is brewed with strict parameters to bring out the benefits of the plants as well as the best flavors possible. And let me tell you, you can feel the difference. I highly recommend you give Element Kombucha a try. It's delicious, it's healthy, and it's just nice to have in your fridge for when you're thirsty. So go to elementkombucha.com and use promo code ZIAN11 to save 11%. That's ZIAN11 to save 11%. X-I-A-N-11 at elementkombucha.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL. Mm, 
Okay, we are rolling. We're here with Ben Stewart. How you doing today, Ben? I'm doing amazing, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for hopping on. It's going to be fun. You're going to get into the weeds, as they say. You know it. You know it. <laughs> so uh, I've been a big fan of your work for a long time. Uh, I think you're probably most widely known for your film Chimatica. Um, and recently you released DMT Quest, the documentary. Um, are there any other films that you have made over the, the past several years? Well, um, right before Chimatica, I made a film called uh, Esoteric Agenda. It was steeped in conspiracy, but at the end of it, I got into, I realized I don't want to be a conspiracy filmmaker. And I, uh, I, I put a really hopeful ending at the end, a very mm -hmm. empowering one, I should say. And um, a lot of people hit me up and they were like, man, I love the film, especially the, the end. Could you do a whole film that's more empowering like that? And so mm -hmm. I made Chimatica. Shortly right. after that, I did one um, called um, Ungrip with a guy up in Canada who lives off the grid and just kind of showed, um, showed how we are so dependent upon the grid and the nanny state. So that was pretty cool. Then I kind of went on like a uh, vision quest where I didn't do any films for a while. Um, and then Gaia picked me up, and that was when I ended up doing this show. You see the poster back here, Psychedelica. Love it. Um, yeah, man. So that was that was an awesome thing. I did a um, a series right afterwards where it was me direct the camera. It was called Limitless. It was all about human potential, and that's where I started talking about endogenous DMT and mm -hmm. um, and what that what endogenous DMT might mean about our human potential and the higher levels of consciousness. And so John Chavez, author of um, Questions for the Lion Tamer. He had just launched this foundation called DMT Quest, and he hit me up, and he was like, "I think you're the only one talking about psychedelics and human potential that I that I truly agree with, or th or that that sees the the grand picture of it all. Do you right. want to do a film together?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And so we got Wim Hof. Um, mm -hmm. We got this. Uh, I'm forgetting his last name. Um, it's it's Mike something. I'm forgetting his last name. He's the Wim Hof instructor. Okay. Um, we got Rick Strassman. Um, mm -hmm. We got uh, Mauro Zapatera. He's a cerebrospinal fluid specialist, and mm -hmm. um, and John Dean. He's the the really the star of it because he's the guy from University of Michigan at the time who came up with the 2019 endogenous DMT report that blew our understanding out of the water. Um, and then there was Nick Glinos. So we got kind of like a, a nice cast together, a nice scientific cast together to talk about why do we produce this psychedelic in our heads. Right. Super interesting. That's awesome. Um, I definitely have a ton of questions. Um, but one thing I did want to mention is I, I was waiting for someone to bring up these these more modern pop culture references of DMT because I had been tuning into them because I'm a fan of rap music. So when I heard Kid Cudi and Kanye West and these people talking about it, I was like, okay, who's going to shine the spotlight on this? Because this is interesting. And then Mike Tyson as well. Um, he's been just like really putting it out there. And he went on, um, what was it called? Uh, there's a really big podcast uh, recently and, and, uh, Paul impulsive, I think it's called. And he ate like four grams of mushrooms live on the podcast. And he just totally told everyone, yo, like I'm a changed person. 
He was extremely open and authentic and talked about um, how he used to be very ego driven, fame driven, money driven, just wanted to like scare people almost like and uh, with his attitude and the way he presented himself to the world. And then after his five MEO DMT experience, completely this soft, loving, just like open being like so authentic and sharing of his story. And it's such a moving tale because he's such a massive figure, arguably the Muhammad Ali of our time. And um, him championing the plant medicines is just such a powerful twist of, of his story. Um, and I was, again, tuning into all of this, realizing that DMT is going to take like a big arc uh, in, in this direction of popularity since these massive pop stars and idols of the uh, of the TV culture and the music culture are now speaking about them. And I was waiting and waiting for someone to to make a video. And if they weren't going to, I was going to, but you did it. You did it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta give it up for, um, John Chavez. Cause he was the one that really, he had the vision of like, really, you know, the DMT crowd, they're, they're super heady and they're super into the, the nuances of it. So we got to go deep into the science. And as we started doing that, he had this very short idea for an intro that just kind of like, well, let's just go through the timeline of how we got to now with DMT. And as we started working on that intro, by the way, DMT Quest is, is free on YouTube. We decided the world just needs this. Mm-hmm. And um, that intro just grew longer and longer. And um, I think it's a good 10-minute intro that really just kind of highlights this is, these are all the influential people. I mean, we had um, even Tony Robbins talking about his 5-MEO DMT experience there. Right, right. Obviously, Joe Rogan, we tried not to overplay it. There's so much of Joe Rogan talking about it. Right. Um, so we just chose select moments of him talking about it. And then, yeah, pop culture, uh, you know, comedians like Shane Moss, um, the list just goes on and on. I think it's super important because that makes it wor- more relatable. When you just have, like, super intellectuals talking about... Um, what is the science? What does it mean? And they're usually like, you know, I love Rick Strassman. You can tell when he talks, though, he's talking to, um, he's talking in such a balanced way that he knows other scientists will be listening. And if he yep. doesn't get it factually correct, he needs to like, so this is speculation. This is wild speculation. This is what we absolutely know. Right. And, you know, we really need that. And then we also needed to super balance that with like, where's the average kid going to come in and be like, you know, I have, I have intractable depression. This world is just messed up. And then all of a sudden like, whoa, there's this, there's this substance that, you know, we're starting to find out psychedelics can help with intractable depression, intractable um, other issues that like no known intervention can help with obsessive right. compulsive disorder, anxiety, PTSD, um, right. eating disorders. And then all of a sudden, what do you know, Wim Hof breathing techniques can do the same thing. We're right. starting to find that they can do the same things with all those intractable um, issues. So where's the where's the correlation? There's got to be some overlap here. And I think that's where we start getting into, okay, we're not just talking about psychedelics anymore. We're talking about human potential. And we're talking about if you can augment the most all-pervasive activity we do, we breathe all the time, and it's this autonomic thing that just happens mm-hmm. automatically, but you can instantly take over and yep. make it a conscious process. 
And by doing that for just a couple minutes, you can change your entire neurochemistry, your hormonal balance in your body. And by doing it in an intelligent way and aligning your mind with that practice, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you can overcome some of these these huge scourges of society. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, it needs to be talked about more. And right. for the psychonauts who, who want to experience, like, dude, I know I experienced another dimensional being or something in this other space mm-hmm. and um they're having somewhat similar experiences just with breathing so we got to explore it 100% 100% I'm glad you are and it's cool that this is a balanced film with the science the the scientists the scientific community and angle and then the more kind of like pop stars you know and not that even whim is a pop star but in a certain sense he is he's become this idol of push it further, you know, like push yourself, like believe in yourself, make yourself uncomfortable and grow through the process. And, um, I've seen him on Netflix on this goop show and he's Mm -hmm. been on, yeah, he's been blowing up through a lot of things. The vice documentary, that is how I got introduced to him. Um, it was called like the ice man or something. And I watched it uh, so many years ago. And then I ended up getting, uh, trained in Wim Hof breathing, through his online course. And, uh, it is super powerful. Uh, and my experience with the breath work, um, it does create a visual sensation. Uh, it creates almost a similar sensation to psychedelics where almost all the pixels of reality become available to you. And you can kind of, you get this kind of visionary twist, uh, and, uh, regrounding in your being and then also what's really interesting to me is the sounds that can come from this breathing after a few rounds of it you start to hear almost dmt like high pitch frequencies kind of whirring and spinning and you you know and you're like mm. whoa okay i'm really doing so i'm touching on an altered state that's for sure uh what is your experience with breath work Man, I've done all kinds of breath work. So I started primarily with Wim Hof breathing. And then I found this guy named Stieg Severinsen. Mm-hmm. And he has, uh, I think it's breathology.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually, he has a record of holding his breath for 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. <clears throat> incredible. And um, he, he, he does more kind of like math breathing. So he has several different kinds of mathematical like you um I think breathe in for four seconds, Mm -hmm. hold it at the top for eight seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold it at the bottom for two seconds. Wow. And there's something that that does psychologically. Right. Um, It also, it it more accurately changes the... the chemical balance in your body because you know mm-hmm. for for those of you who don't who don't know like yes you're highly oxygenating your body but you're also decreasing the levels of carbon dioxide in your body yeah. among other things i mean you're probably changing cortisol changing testosterone mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but uh, there's that there's holotropic breathing there's rebirthing and a lot of these are kind of just starting to become the same thing i mean breath yeah. it's it's fairly simple you have the in-breath the out-breath and retention Um, But then you also have like this forced inhale and Mm -hmm. a relaxed exhale or a forced inhale and a forced exhale, which is more holotropic. And every single different breathing technique slightly alters the experience. So holotropic, Mm. it's like 
forced in, forced out, forced in, forced out. So you get into that state a lot quicker Mm -hmm. and it can get uncomfortable a lot quicker, but there's something where you just keep going with it. And then there's this circular breathing where it's not so much forced, Mm -hmm. um, but there's no holding and you do it for like 20 minutes and Wim Hof, you do it for a couple minutes and then you hold and you Mm -hmm. squeeze almost like in yoga is called the Mula Banda where you're you're squeezing around the sex organs and that pushes the cerebrospinal fluid up to the brain. And that causes for, we know now we have DMT floating in our cerebrospinal fluid. So you're forcing more blood flow up into the brainstem. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're talking about with hearing different things, part of that could be more pressure from the cerebrospinal fluid, Uh but it's got to also be, I really believe it because it's not just, you know, if that were the case, that you could hear all those things just by forcing blood to the head, then you would hear differently if you were hanging from an inversion table. That's true. Um, so there's something else there, and I kind of feel like we know we only see a sliver of of the visible. Uh, we only see the visible light spectrum, although mm-hmm. you know there's so many other frequencies that hover right around it. Yeah. Um, animals can hear uh, predominantly higher pitches than humans and see possibly a slightly wider um, visible spectrum than Mm -hmm. we can. And Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe with breath work and stuff like that, you're, you're expanding your ability to be able to take in information consciously. Cause it's Mm -hmm. not like those other spectrums, we don't receive them in some way. We're just not conscious of it. Right. So, um, well, so much, so much of the visionary experience for me has been, this angle that not a lot of people seem to know about or talk about, uh, except for the people that have really integrated this into their life. But there are auditory sensations just as equally as vis- visible uh, mm. alterations of what you're seeing. And and I've noticed it on, on mushrooms, higher doses, you know, 3.5 grams plus mushrooms. You start to almost hear this like cosmic wind or like yeah. these... these or these these overtones. It's just it's almost like you can hear space or something. It's it's hard to describe, but I could tap into the same thing a little bit with the breath work. And and on DMT, mm-hmm. a lot of people like in the film DMT, the Spirit Molecule. Uh, one of the the guys in there, he's he talks about how he how it feels to him when it comes on. And for him, he was describing the sound is the first thing that comes on. He's like. Wow, you know, like that's what happens to him, and I, I can relate to that. Um, yeah. So, not a lot of people think about the sounds; they mostly think about the visions or right. the the uh, the beings. But the the sounds are just as profound, at least for me. Yeah, and I, you know, I've I've heard um, through a lot of different. Um, um, what do they call themselves? Really, just kind of practitioners in different settings that we we all we focus on a sense a little more. Some people are more like sensual, others are more Mm -hmm. auditory, others are more visual. The visual stuff for the most part is what we feel we can explain more to other people because in Mm -hmm. uh, sound, you you probably have to make the noise. Um, But have you done ayahuasca before? I have only done ayahuasca once and I don't feel I had a breakthrough experience. I had a sub okay. sub threshold experience. It was still beautiful and I learned mm-hmm. stuff from it, but I did not reach the full state. Yeah, you know, I I feel that with each different plant medicine, there are different kinds of things you will experience and sound is one of them. But in um 
in ayahuasca, for instance, it's very similar to the DMT thing. It just doesn't accelerate as much. Mm -hmm. And so for ayahuasca, I noticed that it almost sounds like you're hearing like microbacteria and mm. it's like, it, it feels, and it, it, my sense is it's all these little creatures, like mm -hmm. almost like, yes. but right. it sounds like millions of them. And mm -hmm. it's not just, I'm hearing it inside my head. It feels like it's all around me. So like, yeah. it feels like my, my, my egoistic boundary dissolves and I acknowledge that I am a continuous phenomena with the outside world that my that my nature doesn't end at my skin, mm -hmm. that, that all of this is also me, and that I'm that empty space around me is not empty at all. It's actually right. pregnant with, with life, and it's Love making it. these sounds. And so I get that a lot on ayahuasca, but on DMT, it happens so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it ramps up so quickly that it it's sounds and it even feels, because you can feel the sound, as like almost just a humming and like a buzzing in mm -hmm. your body. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the sounds are really interesting. Have you heard anyone speaking to you before? Like a voice speaking to you clearly, like in your own language? So, I have not. Um, I hear my own thoughts loud and clear. Um, I feel this intuitive knowing voice come through internally but it feels like a voice that i that i ha i have contact with even outside of the state it's just louder and speaking more direct truth mm -hmm. um i have heard that people hear some other voice entirely for me i feel more like it's this kind of uh, my inner truth but it gets louder it gets more mm -hmm. clear i listen to it deep more deeper uh, and yeah. it's not maybe that false ego that ego that that is like, you know, kind of uh, not really like guiding you towards your highest truth, which sometimes it, uh, it tells us things and, and we can choose whether to listen to it or not. But sometimes it's just kind of spinning its wheels. Um, yeah. So it's, it's not that one that I hear. I hear my inner truth and not this kind of surface level chat, mental chatter, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good explanation because um, I too hear, and it's hard to say like, I, I, so I haven't, it's interesting because I've heard other people say it and I was asking because I haven't had the experience where I've heard somebody else's voice. Mm -hmm. And I can't even say like, I hear my own voice. Sometimes I feel myself talking to myself mm -hmm. and, but I can tell when this is like, this is real me. This mm -hmm. isn't offended me or small me or right. triggered me. Right. And and usually this voice knows exactly how to speak to me without me getting like offended, like, no, I don't, or no, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. uh, and this even happens, I'm a parent. So I have a five-year-old daughter and, and uh, twin two-year-old boys. Mm -hmm. And when something happens where like, you know, I clearly think they did something out of line and then my energy completely changes and it, it sends them crying. Mm -hmm. And at first I'm just like, well, they shouldn't be blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. then I have this very clear voice come through that's like, Ben, you weren't standing in your power. Mm -hmm. You were not speaking the way you would actually want to be spoken to. Mm -hmm. And you know there was a better way you could have done that. Right. So, but don't go say anything right now because you're still in it. Give it a couple minutes, then go up, and you'll know what to say. And without fail, sometimes it even comes out of my mouth. Like, I, I know th if there's people around, so I don't just talk to myself, you mm -hmm. know, but, like, 
sometimes it even just comes out of my mouth like ben that's that's not the you that you want to be mm-hmm. and that is that voice that i also feel very intently especially on ayahuasca Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't right. done like a heroic dose of mushrooms in, in quite some time. Last time I did peyote, it's, it, you're in such a group setting that you're also having a collective experience. So you're not mm-hmm. just having your own individual experience. Right. Um, but uh, ayahuasca, the one thing I really, really like about ayahuasca, um, there's so many diff- different traditions around it, but the Shipibo Conibo tradition primarily, you do it at night you're in your own experience, but you know other people are there. And then when it's all over, even if you got your ass whooped, you feel like you have this kind of epiphany mm-hmm. by the end. Like, oh, I know what that whole ass whooping was about. I know right. what it was for. I know what it was showing me. Yes. Huachuma um, whooped my ass and didn't give me any, you know, like firm epiphany at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's happened with other medicines. But with ayahuasca, I think one of my favorite parts about it is not even me sharing, but you know, when there's this sharing circle mm-hmm. and you see all these people who they do not share their inner feelings with people and it was their sure. first time and they'll even sit there the next morning and they're, you know, they're just kind of like out of it and they hear all these people really dredging up their, their deep emotions and, and sharing their experience. And then all of a sudden it gets to them and they feel a little bit more relaxed and comfortable with saying, you know what, this was the experience I had. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of touched upon this thing that happened when I was a kid and blah, blah, blah. And you realize this is an individual that never opens up. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. super powerful. There's something about the plant medicines right. and I bet you even um, breath work that um, it it really connects us with humility. 100%. It can. It can connect us with humility. And I think humility is a medicine. It really mm-hmm. is. Because when you humble yourself and you realize like, man, I don't even know who I am. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even answer the most fundamental question. Who am I? What is this place? What am I doing here? You got to be a little more humble. And I think most of us, we use our intellect to control, mm-hmm. to to control situations, to talk our way into and out of things, to prove to other people that we know something, look at how much I've read, I can regurgitate it back to you. Mm -hmm. And in those moments of plant medicine, you realize, oh man, you know what really matters is not all those things that I've read and how well I can repeat them is my relationships with people. How harmonious are they? My my relationship with my dog, you know, Mm -hmm. my cat, this, this planet, even plants. And I'll see people afterwards, after ayahuasca mushrooms, even when they're completely sober again, they're out there like touching plants and just Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I know you're a being. Like I saw it yesterday. I know you're a being and they'll talk with them. Mm -hmm. And it's proven, proven that plants pick up on our thoughts, on our uh, energetic imprints. There was even a scientist who was going to see what kind of chemicals a plant would emit if it lit one of the leaves on fire. Will it release stress hormones if I light a leaf on fire? Mm -hmm. Well, it went and it was already recording. It went, he went and grabbed the lighter and before he even clicked the lighter, before he even got it near the plant, the plant Mm -hmm. already started sending stress hormones. Right. I believe Incredible. I believe it. At first, the the way that the plants appeared to me as being a, be, a being a being um, is that they would start to move, um, and I noticed that they're always moving, just the way we're always moving. It's just that their time 
is extended and it takes longer, but they also live longer. Mm-hmm. But if you were to look at like, you know, do a, a time lapse of, a, of an oak tree over 150 years, you would see it moving around like a like a person. It, yes, it's rooted in a place, but it is very much alive in a being that uh, has some form of consciousness. It's not the same type of consciousness that we probably uh, in a, at a baseline state, you know, uh, non-informed by altered states of consciousness would understand this consciousness. But after an altered state, you can see that consciousness can take so many forms and maybe even consciousness is the building block of the entire universe. And I think you touched on that in your film, Chimatica, about the cosmos and even Earth itself being a conscious being. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's what Gaia is known as as well, right? It's like that's the name of, of the being that is the planet Earth, is Gaia, mm-hmm. at least in one tradition. <clears throat> yeah, those, those the Greeks. And um, I mean, you look at any Native American group, and they will see that, like, you know, we are the environment. We th- mm-hmm. we are this planet. And, like, you know, anything you do to the planet, you're doing to yourself. And there was even this guy, his name's Ibrahim Karim, and mm-hmm. he uh, created this thing called biogeometry. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, he's an architect, and he found that when you shape a space, the shape of it conforms the energy inside of it and around it. And there are certain kinds of shapes, like a rectangular room is not conducive for learning, but we're putting children in schools in these rectangular rooms, and there are much more conducive spaces for it. Mm -hmm. And what he said with that was also um, that when, when you walk along the earth, there are certain power spots and you can tell by the nature outside of you, but the proof that we are our environment is we can't yet, and some people say, the breatharians say they can, but basically take sunlight as sustenance, mm-hmm. like, you know, plants can. We can't just, we don't have an organ inside of our body that can take sunlight and turn it into sustenance for us, mm-hmm. but outside of us, there are these things that you could call organs, these plants, mm-hmm. right, that do take that sunlight and turn it into food, and then we eat of it. So, in a right, sense, right. without that external organ, we right. would not be able to survive. So, is it, it's a closed-loop system, and in some sense, we can't survive without it. So, it is an extension of our being. This thing is living. Now, take expand that out. The Earth, without the sun, Mm-hmm. wouldn't be alive like it is right so so we need to draw the the earth needs to draw upon that and there's also been found that these um ion channels between galaxies that mm-hmm. they communicate faster than the speed of light these ions are shared between galaxies wow. in probably an information share right and we also like i think the coolest thing that i've been onto lately are wormholes mm-hmm. and the idea of wormholes our dna in the 1990s, Peter Gaiaev, he was a uh, Russian scientist, and there's also um, Iona and Alan Miller. They reproduced the phantom DNA experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also, I think, other Russian scientists, Fusar and Bludorf, that are basically saying the only way to explain DNA 
when you put DNA inside a vacuum tube and then you shoot laser, uh, lasered photons into it, all the photons align to the double helix of the DNA. But then wow. you remove the DNA from there. You remove every, everything from that spot. And then you use equipment to monitor that same spot. And those photons are stuck in that position for up to a month. Hmm. So DNA organizes photons but what they found was it's drawing upon information through the only way they know how this is actually happening is through wormholes so wow. our dna is actually bringing information from either outside of space-time or elsewhere in the universe mm -hmm. uh, fully explainable through quantum physics but in this respect there's there's something really really interesting going on here that we are a a closed loop system with the whole of the cosmos and we're right. starting to get the scientific language to wrap around it but we've called them woo woo and we've just said oh that's just primitive mythology when you look at the native americans or you look at anyone who's into spirituality they've been mm -hmm. speaking this language and now we're finally starting to get the scientific language to wrap around it because right. for the most part people are saying listen the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence meaning right. just because we don't have evidence and scientific language to wrap around something does not mean it doesn't exist as a phenomena and i think mm -hmm. that's where we limit ourselves as being these highly intellectual beings is if we don't know how to show that the washington post has fact-checked what we're talking about, then we feel uneasy because somebody could call us, you know, new age or somebody could, you know, like make mm -hmm. us feel silly and we don't have backup. Right? right. And those who have found their center and be like, I don't care if people believe me. I know right. when I focus my mind and I align my body, which is meditation, Tai Chi, Native mm -hmm. American ghost dance, you name it. When you mm -hmm. focus the mind and the body on the same thing, I believe that's magic. And all mm -hmm. that magic is, if you listen to Arthur C. Clarke, is a sufficiently advanced technology. Right. Or he at least said a suffic any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the mind is a technology. I think the body is a technology. And when we understand how to align those two for a desired outcome, mm -hmm. this is where you start getting into you know, telepathy, telekinesis, these things that are documented throughout history, but pushed to the fringes and people say like, yeah, but there's not enough evidence. It's just quackery, yada, yada. Right. Go ahead and let them call quackery. And these are the people with a lot of the health issues, right? They mm -hmm. were calling Wim Hof a quack for 20 years until they finally took his claim seriously. And they're like, huh, would you look at that? We can control our autonomic nervous system by breath and visualizations alone. Absolutely. So, we, we stunt our own evolution a lot of the times. Right. I guess it's the schooling system, um, and the schooling system is created for a to, to spit out a particular type of person who will contribute to society in a measurable way. And um, at the same time, I've always kind of, not always, but recently kind of started thinking, you know, that there should be a mysticism class in school. You don't have to take it. You don't have to love it. You don't have to feel called to it. But, you know, for those that do, check it out, you know, like, because there are, it's almost like, you know, we come into the world and just like in video games where you get to choose your class, you know, you could be a warrior or a mage or a shaman or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Like some people are just, they come into the world with a particular set of DNA or purpose uh, or just like family or whatever it is uh, that, that kind of gives you your particular set of interests and passions and stuff. And 
we try to like squeeze everyone into this one narrow box, even though they might not fit that at all. And the people that don't fit that just say, I don't like school and they drop out and they're looked at like a failure. But it's not that they were a failure. It's that that school wasn't calling to them in their soul and the things that they're passionate about. And maybe things like the mystical path or these understandings of the things we're talking about would, but we don't give them the opportunity to explore that and, and learn that it's something they might love. Usually we have to find out through our own experiments, you know, with things called quote unquote drugs that are quote unquote Mm -hmm. illegal that, uh, you know, then you're looked at yet again, like a crazy person or whatever. Um, but it shows you actual something that resonates with you for the first time as truth. And, Mm. and then you start down this path and, and realize you, you don't have to have, uh, you know, like everyone be able to observe the same thing that you see, you know, that's kind of the way the schooling system says, like, if you were to raise your hand in science class and say, you know, well, what about telepathy? They would just dismiss you immediately. Yeah, no, that's not real at all. Like if no one else can see it and no one else can prove that it happened between you and that person, then it didn't happen. It's not real. You can't, it's not scientifically verified and true. And I don't know. I just find that that's the reason so many people feel disconnected and, uh, and not able to contribute to society in the way that their soul wants to is just because the, the schooling system kind of narrows it down to you either do this or you are an outsider, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> it's not true education because even um, Plato said that education is drawing forth education or is drawing forth natural intelligence from within rather than stuffing information inside. That's mm-hmm. called programming. The other is education. Right. So we don't have an educational system. We have a programming system, mm-hmm. and it's called education because it sounds better. Um, I could go super, super deep on this, especially where we're headed with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the the longest standing crusade known to man is the witch hunts, mm-hmm. and it doesn't start in the you know um, Middle Ages. It doesn't start you know when we think you know like Salem witch trials and back in Europe. It starts thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. So psychedelics and shamanism. Now, you can't just say psychedelics because shamanism is also where these plants meet humanity. And mm-hmm. humanity adds to psychedelics a form of using your hands, using your voice, singing, mantra, using this, the focus of mind and the use of the body, dancing, moving energy through this geometry that we have, um, and uh, using the elements like fire, smoke, all these things, you're basically creating an altered experience and you're mm-hmm. amplifying it with the psychedelic. This is what healing was for tens of thousands of years. Some people even go back and say that 70,000 years ago, there's evidence of finding psychotropic berries at the entrance of caves where there's all these very psychedelic looking cave paintings. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is, is for the longest span of time, altering the mind and doing singing, dancing, community work, hands-on healing, or vision quests alone in nature, which is just a different form of communing with the other. And the other is people, but it is also nature. You're communing with the other. You're listening to nature differently. That was always medicine. That's Mm -hmm. my point. Mm -hmm. Now, 
you go all the way back to the um i'm forgetting uh what the 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 trees of um man this was this was back uh, around ancient greece it'll mm-hmm. come to me but anyway there are the groves it was the ancient groves that mm-hmm. were all cut down because it was goddess worship um, mm-hmm. It'll come to me. This is all part of Chris Bennett's work. But anyway, mm-hmm. so thousands of years ago, you started getting religious institutions. That supplanted the shaman. So now mm-hmm. you have a priesthood. But what's the difference between a religion, a religious institution, and shamanism? Religious institutions are sanctioned by authority. So then yeah. you start seeing that the priesthoods were power. They have power. Shamans were powerful, right? But now you have power in numbers saying, we are going to take over the sacrament. It is no longer these psychedelics. Now it is the blood and the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. You take that forward a couple thousand years and you start, in a sense, annihilating anyone with superior knowledge of the plants, witches, mm-hmm. anyone right. who heals without some kind of a sanction from the religious institutions. Mm-hmm. And then you go all the way forward to the Rockefeller Foundation and Carnegie Mellon, in the early 1900s and how they went from most doctors in those times, physicians were practicing holistic medicine, mm-hmm. homeopathic medicine, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the Rockefeller uh, Foundation and the Carnegie Mellon, they took over the medical institution and turned it allopathic. Everything mm-hmm. else was quackery. If you're mm-hmm. using herbs, quackery. If you're mm-hmm. using homeopathic medicine, quackery. If it's hands-on healing, quackery. Mm-hmm. Only our medicines, which are known as pharmaceuticals, is real medicine. And we're we're going. There's a witch hunt now against anyone who's using quackery. Mm-hmm. All the way up into really the past couple of years, you still have holistic right. doctors being murdered. You have shamans in South America still being murdered. We know what we did to the Native Americans. They were hundreds of millions of them in the right. Americas alone. Now, how many of them do you find? You find more African Americans, sometimes more Asians, more mm-hmm. you know Filipinos and Latinos than you do Native Americans here. Right. So right. the witch hunts have been going on, and now it's not just medicine; it's the educational system. Because what did mm-hmm. we? What did we? When I say like the the colonialists, what did they do to any indigenous who were left over? They reeducated them, mm-hmm. and reeducation systems are programming. It's not education, right. like I said before. Right. First thing they did when they went to Hawaii, they took away their language punishable by imprisonment or punishing the parents, children were not allowed to speak their native tongue. Mm -hmm. They were told an alternative history of their past, like, you guys are primitive, you didn't know how to take care of yourself, we had to step in and and take care of you. We're Mm -hmm. the nanny state by force. Same thing with Native Americans, same thing with the aboriginals, which I like to call the originals in Australia. Mm -hmm. And so, to end this long, long tangent about what you were talking about is the very next step is the internet of bodies. So we know that the internet of things is like your phone connected to the cloud, your iPhone, your computer, the internet of smart devices are all connected. Well, the internet of bodies goes into your body, harvest data from your body, uh, Fitbits, Apple Watches, Neuralinks, um, smart pacemakers, smart... uh, you know, um, pancreases and stuff like mm-hmm. that, harvesting data sent to a cloud. And now there's this pay for success financing 
that mm-hmm. goes on. Goldman Sachs is basically gamifying humanity. So yeah. if your test scores show only a small amount of aptitude, you like the new guidance counselor is AI. Well, it <laughs> looks like you're destined for this job and we're mm-hmm. not even going to tell you what other jobs exist. We're just going to reskill you in this section of society. Mm-hmm. So we're taking away the magic. And this is why I bring up things like magic and shamanism. A lot of people, they, they kind of scoff and laugh at these topics. And I'm like, the reason you scoff and laugh at it is because we've been programmed to believe the only thing that exists is what's inside yeah. this box. Right. If you step outside the box, you're a loser, a drug addict, mm-hmm. a degenerate, mm-hmm. or you're anti-establishment and potentially a terrorist. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry to go on such like kind of a grim tangent there, but no, I get it, this this is a continuation and technology is the continuation of the witch hunts. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, <clears throat> I mean, for a lot of people in the psychedelic space, there is a glimmer of hope right now because things are being legalized and decriminalized and stuff. What's your angle on on that finally happening, you know, MDMA, uh, assisted psychotherapy, ketamine, um, mushrooms and plants being, uh, decriminalized in certain States, Oregon, California, Colorado, these types of things. What, what do you think is going on there? I think it's brilliant, man. I, I really do. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of naysayers saying like, well, like, look what happened to cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, first it went illegal and then all the underground growers started really, you know, tampering with it to get the THC levels really high. Um, And then as soon as it went legal again, you started noticing, it seems like there was an abundance of diversity, but it's actually not. It's just most people were getting Mexican brickweed back in high school, and now there's like a thousand different strains. But if you think about it, most of them are slight alterations of very few um, uh, kinds of, not strains, they're called cultivars. Mm -hmm. So we know that when like corn... Um, a bunch of different kinds of like cash crops turned into cash crops, their biodiversity kind of squashed. So that's mm-hmm. something we need to look out for. And the fact mm-hmm. that these things are really being pumped up for profit, mm-hmm. I still don't think that completely washes away the benefit of making it accessible. We know what just happened in Oregon now. Mm-hmm. Oregon just decriminalized all drugs. Right. Um, you can look back to Portugal and see how well that worked. Um, and even for recovering addicts, they stopped treating them like criminals, you know, and they started, you know, treating them, actually treating and rehabilitating them. How? Play, jump rope, Mm -hmm. moving their body, reintroducing them to the, the simplicities of just being alive. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of how we need to start looking at these things. But the legalization of psychedelics and plant medicines, if we can... If we can maintain some of the original land races of these Mm -hmm. strains and Mm -hmm. somehow protect them from being completely eradicated or privatized, Mm -hmm. then I think we're Mm -hmm. still good. And the bottom line is, is, you know, I I gave that whole grim outline of the witch hunts and the witch trials. I don't think it wins in the end. I think our Mm -hmm. human potential, our highest potential wins in the Mm -hmm. end. Um, Actually, not in the end, it wins in the Mm -hmm. present and it, it lasts into the future. We're just going through these big, interesting evolutionary changes, and technology is a huge part of that. Right. Um, it's weird because as grim as technology can be, and I and I totally get it, it's like people all day just sitting looking at a phone, escaping through uh, media, just like not living their life at all. Just literally, if they were to like look at their life 
uh, after, you know, imagine, you know, it's an afterlife life review Mm -hmm. and they were to look at the amount of time they just did this, they would be like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, I'm on the earth, this rare ass thing in the middle of the the cosmos to, to do this, just to look on my phone, sitting in a chair for like 10 hours a day. That's not what we're here to do. You know what I mean? And, but at the same time, it's equally as empowering. You know, we are learning information through these devices, through the internet. We're creating, you know, you're creating films using computers and technology. And mm-hmm. well, I'm creating music and podcasts and, and stuff that, that informs people to, you know, hopefully helpful information that can help them create balance in their life. And I guess that really is what it is, is it's balance and don't get overly inundated with technology, but you can't really like not use it too, because that's not a, that's not a, a service to your growth is all this information is floating out there and you don't want to search it out and, and let it help you grow. So just kind of staying rooted in the past, I feel um, maybe for certain people is okay. I might like, like tribes and this type of thing, then it works for them. But for us that live in America, um, we can use technology for good as well. It's just about balance. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's your view on like the balance of the, our use of technology? I think you hit the nail on the head. I love technology. I personally love it. And I, I focus um, on a lot of different aspects of what technology is. There's this awesome book called What Technology Wants. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it it's kind of reminiscent of Michael Pollan's The Botany of Desire. Are we cultivating the plants or are the plants cultivating us? Right. And um, this is the same thing. Are we building technology or is technology beckoning us to build it? Right. And in a way, I kind of think that like we we get overly wrapped up in these like framing of the questions. And I feel like really there really is only one mind. And technology, as I was talking about plants being an external organ to the body, technology is an externalized whatever. Our shoes are are, you know, extensions mm-hmm. of our feet. Um, our cars are extensions of our feet and the walking process. Our right. clothes are extensions of our skin. Mm-hmm. You know, we when we really look at it, what is it what is it helping clear the way for? What is the path it is opening up for us? And we we're very good at hyper focusing on like like, look what it's doing to all of our children. And there's this uh, skyrocketing, because of social media, skyrocketing of um, uh, teen and childhood suicides because they're right. not getting enough link likes and stuff like that. Right. I agree with that. But I also, I take a look at, like, if you were to actually apply this data to every um, industrial revolution or every kind of major boom in anything good or bad throughout evolution, you'll notice that there are peaks and valleys of anomalies in things and you Mm -hmm. could blame it. And it's very easy to blame it on look what's technology technology is to blame. But the thing that I Mm -hmm. find is a little bit more interesting is when you look at this, how new is social media? How new is data harvesting? How new is this smart technology? If you think mm-hmm. back to it, I remember a time before the internet. You can't yeah, say too. anymore for, for our children. We're the last generation to remember a time before the internet. I'm not right. that old. And look how far technology has come from that totally. whole like, ew, ew, trrr, gee, right. you have mail. Right. How freaking far we've come since then. 
It's incredible. And so imagine in 20 years, are we still going to be just like this? Imagine in a hundred years, are we just going to be like this? I highly doubt it. So we're hyper-focused on right now in evolutionary history, and there's a lot of upheaval. We don't, it's, there was that movie, The Sphere, with Dustin Hoffman, Queen Latifah, I think it was Sharon Stone and Samuel L. Jackson, they found this sphere at the bottom of the ocean. And they oh, wow. realized that any thought or intention or fear that you brought around it, it would amplify it a thousandfold. And I'm you would manifest your beliefs. Mm-hmm. And they realized by the end of it, humanity's not ready for this thing. Well, guess mm-hmm. what? I think technology is doing that. Information yeah. is shared carte blanche across the world. Mm-hmm. I just read this thing about the richest billionaires and Bill Gates and everything wanting to open source all satellites' visuals of the earth, basically wow. meaning that anyone can see anything that's happening on the earth if they connect to this open source software. Dang. It's really interesting, but basically what that's doing is it's just like, how do you get a child to understand the ramifications of their actions? You get them to to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. Or if like a child pushes a kid and they happen to fall down the steps, you know, and they get a real bad gash, mm-hmm. a good thing you could do is like, I want to show you how how hurtful that actually was. Look at that on, on your brother's arm or something mm-hmm. like that. Potentially, we are in the next couple of years all going to be seeing what humanity is actually up to what we actually look like and what our impact is doing to the planet at large, I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And there could be downsides to it because there's never any 100% good thing without some kind of like downside or polarity to it. But my idea about technology is we're looking at like, what is 5G doing, you know, to our, to our bodies and our health? And like, what is Wi-Fi radiation doing to, you know, our blood brain barrier? And okay, there's, there's a ton of problems that we need to fix, but technology goes all the way back to bees building beehives, birds Mm -hmm. building birds nests. You know, Mm -hmm. technology is not bad. It's us extending our will into the outer world. That's not Mm. always bad. It's just when we only do it in a self-gratifying fashion, then we'll destroy whatever we need to, to make ourselves feel good. But if we can get back to what the Native Americans were telling us, that like no decision is made without understanding its impact on seven generations down the line, then we start Mm. to realize that it's not just the world right now as it is that's the extension of me, but seven generations down the line, epigenetically, I can prove scientifically that my great-grandparents are having or had an impact on who I am right now because Mm. of decisions they made, not just their genes. So I think what's happening right now is a wake-up. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you can call it good, you can call it bad, but I think we are accelerating our knowledge, which is going to accelerate our ability to see the impact of our actions. And it's like a psychedelic trip we're on. And, mm-hmm. you know, COVID, the whole pandemic, it's caused for a lot of people to be a lot more on their computers looking at and asking questions, what the heck is going on? Who's mm-hmm. making decisions? Where are we headed? Why? Where's mm-hmm. my vote in all of this? Why do we constantly have children in office is what it feels like at least, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I think what we're experiencing is an awakening. It's just, right. it's it's happening in ways that we don't quite understand. Right. I think that it's weird. Technology with, with the thought of like satellites v- being able to view all of earth and us have access to it. It's almost like what 
you know, we growing up before the internet thought that God's omnipresent power was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like now we're building it, you know, like humans are building the omnipresent view, uh, viewing capability of everything at every time. And it's like we're trying to, it's almost like the fractal and it's the the cosmic conundrum or, or even the paradox or something where uh, we end up creating the thing that created us, if that makes sense. It's, it's weird. It's like we're trying to become the creator of the thing that created us. And it's, it's kind of a, a weird, heady, trippy thought, but like, you know, like the cosmos brought us into existence and we're trying to recreate the cosmos through simulation or something. And that beckons the theory, are we in a simulation? Could this have happened already? And we're just, you know, uh, the dust in the wind of it all. Uh, but it, it's honestly a beautiful thing if we are, because at least it's experience where we get to feel and have emotions and love and connection and beautiful experiences with each other and community and all these things. So there's always something to be found, but something to me that has resonated through my spiritual explorations is, you know, the Tao, the way it is, like the way it is, is perfect. I know we can look at it through this lens or that lens. It's good. It's bad. But just appreciating the intelligence of the universe and the cosmos um, for what it is and things unfolding the way that they just so happen to unfold. Um, and if we learn and grow along the way and, and try to create meaningful experiences for ourselves and others and stay, you know, growing and helping those around us grow, then maybe it's all worth it. You know, even, even though there's going to be these, these weird things happening with technology and politics and government and th- there's going to be corruption, there's going to be power struggles. And, but I, I, uh, for one, don't really concern myself as much with that stuff. I, I might be looked at as ignorant or uh, apathetic uh, toward, for certain people because certain people, you know, come up to me in life and say, don't you know what's going on? Like, you don't watch the news? And I'm like, no, I don't, you know, like, I'm, I'm enjoying my life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that, that's my angle is the Tao. It's going to happen whether you want to or not. You have no control over it. So why get overly stressed about it? At the same time, it's, good to be able some like you are able to point things out and help people at least become aware like through your films and through this conversation even you know you know the uh the Tao de ching i always have it around and um i have a news show called waking infinity news on youtube Mm -hmm. and basically the whole point of the news show is what does the news look like from the perspective of the Tao? love it and i i constantly say this that like it's not like we came here and we're owed something. We didn't get a memo from God saying, here's what you can expect. And if you don't get this, you should be angry about it. We come up with our own expectations of what life is, what I am, what I'm owed by life. And then we have all these expectations in this glimpse of life. And the Tao is basically saying, you're a student. Mm-hmm. You're you're paying too much attention to what you think you deserve and not mm-hmm. enough attention to what's actually happening. Right. And so, you know, you mentioned it, like, you know, the, the, all the satellites in space, there's three aspects, three components to what uh, God potentially could be. 
um, that we can wrap our heads around. That's, you know, omnipresence, being everywhere at once, omniscience, right. knowing all things, and omnipotence, which is having all the power. Right. And the interesting thing is we, you're right, we are building that. We are yeah. building the ability for us to be able to see who and what we are from a higher perspective. Because the planet, like I said, is an extension of who and what we are. And we have science to go down into the smallest of the small, the biggest of the big, and we're able to just zoom in and zoom out until at the end of the day, there's this thing called the spatial web. And it's part mm -hmm. of Agenda 21 where like, you know, the idea is we're not supposed to touch nature for a while because we need to let it like heal from everything we've done to it. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, you don't need to go to Yellowstone. You can like put on these goggles and this thing called the spatial <laughs> web. You can go there in your own bedroom. Right. That has its ups and downs. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But even Terrence McKenna was saying eventually one day we could step into the virtual realm and stop utilizing physical resources that are finite for our every whim. Right. And so you got to start looking that there is a Tao, which you, you always think of the yin yang, like there's this dueling opposites. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like at the end of the day, what's happening is here to teach us of the, our higher nature. We're so wrapped mm -hmm. up in me. Oh, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like I have the darkness that I see in all those politicians and all those rich people. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you're overly identifying with this tiny I, this individual right here, who's only had these experiences. But when you mm -hmm. meditate, you do psychedelics, you can get to this state where you acknowledge all of that is me. All mm -hmm. of it is me. And in, with this glimpse of life, what are we doing? What are we doing with this tiny little glimpse of this beautiful planet that we're here? Right. I think we need to focus on our relationships more. And that does not yeah. exclude technology. And the reason I say that, and a lot of people, they still don't know how to, how to wrap their heads around it, but they'll use terms like God. God is everywhere. It, you know, the divinity is in everything. We're all one except for that phone and that camera and this computer. It's just like, oh, God didn't figure that one out. God, right. you know, it's like all-knowing, all-powerful could not figure out a computer, right? Mm -hmm. So, to me, I'm just like, no, we're looking at these things as, yeah, but look, it's made out of plastic and it's electricity and there's EMFs coming out of it. At mm -hmm. present, it totally is. You're right. Mm -hmm. You know, the sun without our ionosphere would be burning us alive right now. Mm -hmm. Is the sun a bad thing? No, right. it's it's all the perception of how you place things and the arrangement. And th that's what I would invite people to take a look at is, mm -hmm. like you were saying, the Tao. We don't yes. know what any of this means. Do the best you can, make the best decisions you can, and learn to be humble. Because when yeah. you're humble, you realize that I'm just a humble human being making the best decisions with the best knowledge I know how, but it all goes towards what? Serving love to humanity and mm -hmm. all creatures, all beings, all things, because everything is me. I, right. I only want love. I don't want some externalized philanthropist that I think is a pedophile to be a reason why I hold hate in my heart. I've never right. met that person. I've only read about that person. Mm -hmm. Why does that give me a reason to hold hatred in my heart. It doesn't. Right. Unconditional love. I really do yeah. think that's the answer. So, there's my spiel. Yeah. I love it. That's that's the reason I don't really watch the news and become overly concerned with all of the scandals. And some people are just maybe bored. They're looking for something to entertain them because they're not on their own path or something that is uh, more interesting to them than those things, which I think, you know, we're all here 
you know, this is my view. We're all here to find out why we're here. We're <laughs> um, our individual purpose. It's not my, you can't copy paste someone's purpose from them and put it onto you. You might look at someone and say, "I want to do what he's doing," but you're not gonna. You might try it and realize, "Huh, that's not for me actually." But you have to try it to realize it's not for you, and you have to try multiple things until you find the thing for you that is. Um, and it's interesting. A minute ago, when you said humble. You know, I was born onto this planet with the last name Humble. Literally, my name is Humble. And it's just an interesting thing that I kind of do believe in these weird synchronicities and past life things. And we come into this planet to learn and be on a certain road or path towards awakening. I believe those things. And it's just crazy that I would be born humble and then learn through all these humbling experiences. And then it's like permanently glued to me the idea, be humble, you know, because it's literally my name. It's, I love it. I love it. It's just, I've gotten that glimpse on psychedelics before. It's like a, a deep message that was telling me, look, be humble. It's literally who you are, you know? It's Interesting. Like, <laughs> I've always, I've always looked at my name, um, Stuart. It comes mm -hmm. from a steward, you know, being a steward wow. of the land. Love that. You know, and the idea of like, you don't own property. We like, we, you know, we come up with all these fancy ideas like, see this land, I own it. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, you, you, you own this land. It will be here long after you go. Right. You know, th that's like one of our cells inside our body being like, this is mine now, you know, mm -hmm. trying to take it over. Mm -hmm. No, we're stewards of the land. We get a moment to show our true colors to the land and to right. others. That's what this glimpse of life is. We we have a moment to show our true colors, mm -hmm. and most of us are like, wait, wait, yeah, I'll, I'll be right there. <laughs> wait, what? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have no problem with doing that every now and then. And really, I try to like balance it when my kids are watching, for the most part, mm -hmm. because they don't understand. They're like these freaking adults, they're all standing around staring at these freaking screens all the day. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Why can't I do that? And then we mm -hmm. conditioned them early in life to stare at these screens. And that's like, it doesn't talk back to you. It just gives you what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, it's a lesson though. At the end of the day, you're totally right. It's a lesson. Like the TV, the our phones aren't making us do anything. It's almost like, you know, we, we spend all this time, especially, you know, with this religious uh, terminology beaten into us that the devil's bad, Satan is bad, Lucifer is bad. How do they do their bad work? They tempt you. Okay, so who made the decision to actually do the thing? Well, me, but it was because of all the <laughs> all the good, smooth, slick-tongued, you know, Satan over there. Right. It's like, yeah, but that means you weren't aware enough. And mm -hmm. we all we all slip and fall. So again, you don't beat yourself up. There's no enemy here. Mm -hmm. But when you slip and fall and you get up and you don't take it too seriously, you try and laugh at it. You have levity right. as well as humility. Right. Uh, you know, and then you just you move on. And then that's persistence. And with those 100%. three things, man, that's that's balance right there. Levity. You know, learn how to, you know, not take things so freaking seriously. Humility. Learn how to realize this isn't all about you. This whole mm -hmm. thing is not all about you because you don't even know who you really are. And at the end of the day, you know, in a couple, you know, seconds, evolutionarily speaking, you're gone. Mm -hmm. You're And like, unless you've done something phenomenal, those ripples, those waves right. aren't really going to affect 
the outside world. So at the mm. end of the day, you know, I think, I think we, you know, we really just need to, like you said it earlier, we need to learn how to listen a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so many of us are so stuck trying to prove ideas that we're not even sure we believe in ourselves mm-hmm. for the most part. We, I think it was uh, Mark Twain who said, um, we, you know, we, it was something like we preach ideas that were given to us from other people that were given to them from other people that, you know, at the end of the day, the idea itself isn't worth, worth a brass farthing. Yes. You know, I it's saw not that on your film. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not worth anything. We just keep regurgitating things and we hold it because it came through me and this person doesn't know it. So I get mm-hmm. to bestow that upon somebody else and they didn't know it. And it's not always an egotistical thing. I think it actually comes from the drive that we're students of life, but part and parcel to being a student, if you really want to know whether you know something, teach it, try and mm-hmm. teach it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I, if I tell you something and you're like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Teach it to this kid over here. Mm-hmm. Most of us, we, we get it when it's told to us, but we don't know how to even put it back into our own words. And right. so I think, we should all be students. Uh, I mean, we should all be teachers as well. And Mm -hmm. this is what every mystery school was all about, right? You have the masters and they're training the new, the newbies, the neophytes and the journeymen Mm -hmm. and the journeymen are helping. They're learning from the masters and helping train the newbies and the Mm -hmm. newbies are learning from them, but it's this big, big Taurus, right? The newbies are brought up and the masters die and their, their ripple effects, you know, turns back into, the newbies in a way Uh, we're supposed to be teachers and students on this Mm -hmm. world, you know, and we can all hear things that uh, resonate with us and feel like it's truth. Um, But something that I've been learning slowly, but surely is to come up with your own explanations too. don't just regurgitate what you heard because it did resonate as truth from a person that you look up to or you found was wise, like that's good that it helped you make an internal realization, but come up with your own philosophy too, you know, don't just attach to a philosophy only. Um, That's a hard thing to do. And I, I commend those that, you know, like Lao Tzu who did what he did. He wrote a book that even thousands of years later we're reading and we're like, damn, this hits, this is, this is truth. Um, but at the same time, be your own Lao Tzu, you know, um, but maybe we're not there yet, you know, because Lao Tzu was, maybe he was an older man. He had more wisdom when he wrote his book. So we're all still learning there. We don't want to like kind of jump the gun and, and while we're in our student phase, try to be overly the teacher when we still have a ton to learn. Um, and that's self-discovery work. I think, you know, we're all discovering ourselves through our work through the things we decide to do with our time each day. And eventually maybe we will uh, become our own hero instead of latching on to the heroes, you know, that we grew up looking at. And I don't know, that's just something that came up in me when, when you were saying all of that. So that's, do you have a, a few more minutes actually? Cause I know we said an hour, but I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah, I do. And you know, I kind of wanted to mention to this is part of something that I'm building right now, which is, um, uh, it's, it's the, the reason why I believe we are headed into a, um, an inevitable age of art. 
And, you know, after crisis periods, so I won't go too deep into this, but like every 90 years, you can go back through Anglo-Saxon American history and every 90 years there's a crisis and every 90 years there's been war. Mm -hmm. So if you go back 90 years, it is the um, World War II and the Great Depression. 90 mm -hmm. years from there, it's the Civil War. 90 years from there, it's the American Revolution. 90 years prior to that, in Europe, there was the Glorious Revolution. And this mm -hmm. can go on and on all the way back into the Etruscans, the pre-Romans, mm -hmm. who came up with the idea of the saculum, which is mm -hmm. this cycle. And so... Every time there's this crisis period, which literally we are right in the middle of, I would encourage all your listeners to go read this book that came out in 1997 called The Fourth Turning. Okay. It's incredible because it, it predicted exactly the timeline and the kinds of events we're experiencing right now. It mentioned uh, terrorist attacks. It mentioned um, pandemic. It mentioned insurrection. It mentioned inside jobs you know, wow. our own president, you know, being culpable in blah, 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 mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. so there's this thing about the four pillars of society. You can go as far back in time or as far across the globe as possible, and no society will be without these four things. That's why they call them the pillars. Mm -hmm. It's science, philosophy, religion, and art. Mm -hmm. And I always battered my mind around this, like, you know, why is there always these four pillars? And I believe it's because there's these are aspects of human consciousness. Mm. And so many people get hung up on, yeah, but I'm not religious. Well, you're not a part of a religious institution. Religious institutions, just like science institutions or art institutions or philosophical institutions, they're what men do with aspects of consciousness to control. Mm -hmm. and that's in large numbers. We do it with large numbers. So the science institution and the religious institution is not what science and religion are. So there's this thing, you know, I just kind of quickly drew a spiral. So you have mm -hmm. S for science, mm -hmm. and that's basically like, Science is to know. So it's raw data. You're witnessing raw data. So like a child, they're born and they cry and then they see the face that their mom gives them. And so that that's info coming at them and they're witnessing that. And But they don't just sit idly by. They make a philosophy about it. What does that mm. mean? How does that fit with who I am and what this thing is? They're trying mm. to learn about the world. But once you come up with a philosophy, that doesn't sit idly by. You commit to something. And that's mm. this is an R supposed to be uh, for <laughs> religion. Yeah. And religion, the word religion comes from religare. It means to bind together. Think of Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi on that cliffside, you yeah. know, healing that uh, bonsai branch, wrapping right. it back so it could heal and become whole again. That's what religion mm. means, is to bind together. And that to me is a commitment, a devotee. When you're a religious devotee, you've committed to something. You have a philosophy. All religious people do. It's based on science, whether you like to admit it or not. There's some kind of like empirical evidence that leads them to why they do these ceremonies, why they do the hymns, why they do the sacraments. And then once you've committed to something, you don't sit idly by there. You act it out into the world, and that's your art. You express it back. And then once you do that, it's like that's the child crying. And then they receive feedback. 
from mm-hmm. the outside world or I make a painting and the world gives me feedback. Mm-hmm. So that feeds back to the science, but we don't start back at the beginning. We're now right at the same spot, but we're inside this spiral and yeah. we keep refining and refining and refining this process of science, philosophy, art, or religion and art. And every mm-hmm. time we get new information, we adjust our philosophy, our commitment yeah. adjusts and our art adjusts. So the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because I think that we like we are always the scientist, we are always the philosopher, we're always the um, religious devotee, and we're always the artist. But you were mentioning like um, before, you were saying, come up with your own philosophy, you mm-hmm. know, come up with your own conclusions and learn how to, to put it in your own words. Right. I kind of feel that the artist is lacking in ways where we're just very heady and very intellectual, and the heady intellectuals don't sing. We don't mm-hmm. dance. We hardly express ourselves in nuanced ways. It's just mm-hmm. get the facts to me and I'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel that that's, we have these artistic renaissances that happen after crisis periods. And pandemics are periods where a lot of, right afterwards, a lot of biodiversity extinction events are followed by a lot of biodiversity explosions, crazily enough. Mm-hmm. And same thing with art. And I kind of feel like that's where we're headed. So our greatest power is not just in being like the strict science, like give me the data, that's all we need. No, it's because how do you read the data? That informs your philosophy. And then once you've got that philosophy, what do you do about it? Well, I'm committed to doing what? How do I serve the world with my commitment? And then the Mm -hmm. art is how well did I actually display it and express it to the world? So I really think this is where we're headed in this specific 10 to 15 year period coming up is the internet and psychedelics, which strangely enough in Silicon Valley, it's on the heels of Haight-Ashbury in the same area. So Mm -hmm. psychedelics were all the rage and now AI is all the rage. I think they're (laughs) both headed towards human optimization. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest part of human optimization is our art. How do we express who and what we are? Because at the end of the day, technology is just more colors on our palette. Psychedelics, it just allows for us to see things differently. Both Mm -hmm. are very important for an artist to express ourselves as more divine beings. So, I think that's exactly what we're headed towards. And I I hope I'm right. Because if we get into this age of the artist and we really start expressing ourselves more, and then we'll realize that, man, we're not even using psychedelics to their full potential. We're not mm-hmm. even using technology to their full potential. We're not using our brain or our heart to our full potential. We don't mm-hmm. even understand this. How can we get technology and AI, super intelligent AI, to teach us more and to point us back within like a more clever mirror so we can understand ourselves and our potential more, faster, mm-hmm. quicker? And mm-hmm. how do we integrate that? Probably psychedelics, probably frequency-based, you know, uh, therapy. And how do we solve some of the greatest problems? I bet you psychedelics and technology are going to really come together in some way to help us learn that technology is not the end. Psychedelics aren't the end. And maybe even humans aren't the end. We're just means for God to express itself. Beautiful. I love that. A few things came up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to hold on to them before they escape me. But one of them was about you mentioning 
um, psychedelics and technology. Well, with psychedelics, we could take them and through technology uh, understand what areas of the brain or mind are being mapped or um, antagonized or, or activated, whatever you want to call it. And then through technology, sometime if we have some type of device in our head, like the Elon Musk, um, what, what was Elon Musk? Neuralink. Neuralink. What if we just pro, like can like through technology now access the same parts of our mind that we didn't have to take the psychedelic. The psychedelic taught us what parts of our mind do what. And now like through the app, we can say, I want visionary. Boom. And it's like, boom, you're in the DMT state without DMT. Like the technology like allows us to have greater access to the hundred percent of our brain power versus that 10% that we typically use day to day to day. Um, I think that's really interesting. And that's how psychedelics and technology could maybe merge is that through psychedelics, we learn what parts of our brain do what when they're active. And then through technology, we can activate them at will. Um, and another thing I wanted to say was um, the art to, to me, is something that kept coming to me in my psychedelic experiences was we're all artists. Um, and everything that's worth doing is worth doing well. And that is the artistic angle or expression of it. So many people won't look at themselves as an artist and maybe try to do the craft that they do to the best of their ability because they don't see the art in it. Literally being a dishwasher or a burger flipper could be an art form. If you found the passion in it, raising your children can be an art form. You know, like pe people think of art as just I'm painting or I'm making music or I'm playing guitar or I'm drawing. Like that's just such a slim, narrow version of seeing what art is is or has the possibility of being but you know cooking cleaning doing the dishes vacuuming your house all these things have art form to them and that's why i always feel like we're all artists it's just finding the art that calls to you everything is art so. dude such a in such a profound way to put it and i've always felt the same thing there's the difference between the thing that's being done and the way that it's done. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about a burger flipper, you could be happy if you found a way that like, right. you know, look at this burger flipper. They're mm -hmm. in their head thinking about what they're going to do when they're off of work and they're griping in their head about their girlfriend or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And then there's this one over here. Like you just see the way this one is standing. Let's yep. say he or she, you know, is standing with beautiful posture, very mm -hmm. relaxed, you can tell. Perfect yep. posture, relax, and kind of dancing, headphones right. on, flipping right. it in the air, catching it, put yep. it on the burger. You know what I mean? Dancing the entire time. What's the difference? Technically, they're both putting burgers in little wrappers and handing them to, you know, putting them in bags so they can be sold. That's mm -hmm. the technicality of it. However, mm -hmm. there is almost, if you look at the way, there's almost a 100% difference how each is being done. Mm -hmm. Another case in point is... I'll give you the same content twice and you mm -hmm. tell me which one you would, would fill your heart with joy more like, right. Oh my God, dude, I'm, I'm so sorry. The, the last thing I wanted was for you to, to take it that way or sorry, dude, it's not like I wanted you to take it that way. 
right? Exactly. Same content. Right. The first one was genuine. The second right. one was, I don't give a, right? Yep. I don't give a rat's ass about you. Right. It's 100%. the way, it's the yep. way that we do things. And this is where, especially where things uh, that, Everything is data now. Like, you know, oh, somebody tweeted, yada, yada, you know, how arrogant are they? It's just like, mm-hmm. they could have been being sarcastic. How do you really know? I mean, it's just data. You, you get no sense of the way, that, you know, or what was yes. going on with them. But again, this is part of the witch hunts. Like, how do we find a little thing that Trump did wrong so we can mm-hmm. talk about it on the news for two weeks? You know, how do we take a look at what Biden is doing right now and say, see, I told you he's a communist and working for China, right? It's just like, we mm-hmm. love the witch hunts. And the bottom line is, all you got to do is take a look at any um, uh, presidential campaign um whatever, like a commercial Mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. What's the number one thing they do? Do they talk about their achievements and their, their beautiful goals? No, (laughs) there's no time for that. We got to talk about how terrible the other person is. And do you realize they voted on blah, blah, blah. That's Mm going to kill 50,000 babies for sure. You want to vote in a baby killer into office? Like that's like, okay, this is why we're acting like children. This -hmm. is why it's actually become a thing for us to act like children because we don't have examples of people actually living the Tao. Mm -hmm. We'll have very slick tongues talking about it, right? Right. But we have very few people living it. And this is why you see like gurus and sages and everyone goes to Muji and is like, Muji, Mm -hmm. I'm still dealing with all my anxiety and blah, 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 blah. How do we deal with the financial world? And he's sitting there and no one realizes or very few people realize it's it's how relaxed his face and his posture is. It's how he's breathing very steadily. That's the answer he's giving. But he's right. like, I can tell you're very stressed right now. Why do you seem so stressed, darling? And it's just, <laughs> oh, I just told you why all this. Blah, blah. It's just like, I know. But where is all that worry? Where mm-hmm. does it exist right now? You're just talking with me. Mm-hmm. Why, why are you in such a stressed state? Well, because I know that when I go home, I have to. And nobody realizes it's not his words because we're all stuck in the intellect. It's like he didn't give me the right words for me to solve my problem. F this guy. He doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. talking about. When mm-hmm. all along, the way he was saying it, perfect mm-hmm. equanimity in his breathing, perfect mm-hmm. relaxation in his face, straight posture, probably hormones working correctly metabolism mm-hmm. working you know optimally and he was sitting there and everyone else can feel that presence but we're yep. so caught in the intellect we forget about the way yeah. so this is how i believe we solve some of the the greatest problems in the world right you need to do you need to do what you know you need to do and not care if anyone's watching yeah you need to do it for you you know, and guess what? People will watch, but it's not for them to watch. That Mm -hmm. will just naturally happen. But if you Mm -hmm. don't do it for nobody, Mm -hmm. then nobody's going to see it. Mm -hmm. I guarantee it. That Mm -hmm. is is my my number one. And that's where the humility comes in. Even Krishna Das said, you know what? The greatest masters in the world, they became so still and so silent that they just became love and they disappeared. And everybody Mm -hmm. just felt good around them. They didn't even know how to equate it to like, it's because of a being doing something. Because guess what? It's actually not. If you get out of your own way, you become a channel for love. And it's not you. Those gurus and sages, they wouldn't take credit for it. Like, do you see what I just did right there? Everyone's in love and it's because of me. No, they got the me out of it. 
And yeah. when you do that, they disappear. And it's just what, what sucks into that vacuum, that void, mm. pure love. And it. that's what we need to be doing. I really that's believe what it. We, that's what we should aspire to, not to have a million dollars. You know what I mean? Or a million followers. Or a million followers. It's like we should just aspire to hold loving space for those we encounter and ourselves. Mm. You know, like, I guess it starts with the self, because if you can't love yourself, how could you admit that to others? So, you know, um, it starts with the self-work, but after you know, five, 10 plus years of self-work, you can, I guess it's called filling up your cup, right? So that it can overflow. And then you have more than enough to share. Um, If you don't have a full cup, how can you share, you know? Um, Mm. So I just think that's a beautiful message to as to what we should aspire to and not the things that we're chasing in this weird little rat race that society tries to make us feel is the thing the real thing the the actual game the real game worth playing is to have more money more success more power than the next person the next guy that's i don't know that that to me doesn't lend uh, an evolutionary hand it it seems to just be a distraction you were running at full speed on the hamster wheel how Mm -hmm. could we expect ourselves to have perspective just to, mm-hmm. to actually take that quiet moment and be like, oh, you know what? This is what life is all about. Mm-hmm. Everything I was doing before, that's that's distraction. That's really right. distraction. But yeah. here's the difference between a nirvani and a bodhisattva. Mm-hmm. A nirvani is somebody who meditates and, and balances themselves and their health to the point where they reach nirvana. It's bliss, pure bliss. Mm-hmm. But nirvanis that stop there they're just called nirvanis so they stop there because they never want to stop feeling bliss but there's the bodhisattva that has arrived at nirvana and could if they chose to stay there Mm -hmm. but the bodhisattva has done one better and they've decided to enter themselves back into the world of suffering so they could serve others who are also on the path now imagine this in an expanded view where my pain It'll, it'll pass. Pain mm-hmm. and suffering, love and joy and ecstasy, all of those things are temporary. Mm-hmm. The real immortal thing that I can do is serve love to others. That's the real good that I can do. Not meditate until I'm enlightened so I can tell other people, like, hey, I'm an enlightened Buddha. You should really listen to my ideas. Like, right. you, don't, you wouldn't have to say it if you were an enlightened Buddha. You really mm-hmm. wouldn't have to say it. And in mm-hmm. fact, I... I don't know that any real enlightened sage, truly enlightened sage, once they've become enlightened, has felt the notion, I have to tell people that I'm enlightened. Mm. I have to use my words to tell people this is who I am because they're like, oh, I'm not anything. I'm not mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I, I am what I choose in the moment. And mm-hmm. I choose to be that one that doesn't get the credit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I definitely believe that the, the greatest good we can muster in this short little glimpse of life is not to take things so personally, not to make mm-hmm. things so much about us. And I think this is what Wim Hof is teaching us. Man, mm-hmm. you, you do some breathing, you decouple the pain protein, and you get in the ice water. What does that tell you? <laughs> like, if you don't do the breathing, it's harder because you feel pain. Well, pain right. is just a messenger. 
It's just a message saying, get mm-hmm. out, you're dying, yeah. or, you know, pain, stop, stop, pain yeah. means stop, right? But if you look past pain, if you look past suffering, and especially if you look past your fear, which psychedelics help us do, yeah. you realize that's where the teacher lies. Yeah. And why do we hardly ever find the real teaching, the real message? Because it's always hiding behind the thing that we want to look at the least. Mm-hmm. The real pain, the real suffering, the darkest parts, the closets in our, you know, or the the skeletons in our closet that we want, that we'd rather forget and bury them in the backyard, but they keep growing back. Mm -hmm. Behind them, forgiving ourselves. Behind them, acknowledging that that was me, but that's not me. That Mm -hmm. was me back then, but I am not any of those things. I I am what I choose in the moment. And so that back then, Thank right. you. That was my greatest lesson. I've learned how to forgive even myself. Yeah. We need planetary healing right now. We don't need a third party. We don't need a revolution. We don't need violent, you know, we don't need people with guns in the streets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We need healing and reconciliation because real healing is getting the obstacles out of the way of unconditional love. And real healing is remembering who we are and why we came here. It wasn't to be self-gratifying. It was to remember, who am I? Ooh, I am all of this. Right. So why am I allowed to have hundreds of thousands of time, times more money and food and resources as this beautiful person on the street that has mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. and no say, doesn't get to even say, I, well, I'd like a vote. I'd like to challenge the system. It's like, mm-hmm. who are you? Screw you. Go away. Like, take mm-hmm. a shower. We treat mm-hmm. these people like they're not our brothers and sisters. Right. So we have those dark spots in our psyche and they're they're also manifested in our world. And so w- our lessons are everywhere, but mm-hmm. only the ones who are really trying to see how do I heal and how do I serve lo- love unconditionally? Not get more legislation passed, not bring the people at the top to justice. No, mm-hmm. it starts here. And it's so simple that so heady and intellectual people are like, yeah, come on, show me the data, show me the proof. Washington Post didn't fact check that, right? Right. Well, what's good, yeah, amazingly said. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was absolutely beautiful. Um, But yeah, when people are so focused on, you know, this guy at the top getting the justice he deserves or whatever, okay, say he gets it. How long is that going to satisfy you? Mm. Two days? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump got arrested. He's in jail. <laughs> now you got to deal with you for the next 40 years. Yeah, so, <laughs> so get over it. You know what I mean? Like, let's start right here, mm-hmm. you know? And it starts so. by not hating people you've never met simply because of things that you've read and social mm-hmm. influences around you. Stop right. giving yourselves excuses to hate. Mm-hmm. It's it like, really, take a look at the actual benefit to cost ratio of hating people you have never met, you likely will never meet, and you only get to see what the news tells you about them. Mm -hmm. Because what is the news? We're going to show you four seconds of what Donald Trump said on TV and then tell you what he really meant for the next 20 minutes. Right. Like, <laughs> or the next two months, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that exactly what we talk about as being the rumor mill in high school or in junior mm-hmm. high? Rumors getting started. 
You know, right. like somebody does something and then, it, you know, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. When it gets passed on to the 30th person, they're like, mm-hmm. did you hear that Billy ran over his dog with a truck because he, he hates dogs? Mm-hmm. And really, it started with, you know, Billy decided to get a dog, but he was afraid he might run out into traffic. Right. You know, like this exactly. is how rumors get out of control. But the, the, the bottom line is, is we keep passing the responsibility off. Mm-hmm. And that's not the core of any religion. Any right. conscious, any spiritual pursuit is not just like, okay, we found the real person to blame in this religion. Like, run. <laughs> if that's what the religion or the spiritual teaching is based upon, is finding blame or pointing the finger at who, where does the accountability lie? If it does not point directly back within, then it is not showing you that you are a fractal of God. So, responsibility 100%. starts right here. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I don't know, man. I mean, I don't it, know how we could say it any more, any more clearly than that, but exactly. really unconditional love is that silent medicine waiting in the mm-hmm. corner of the room. I 100%. think it's less opportunistic than fear. Fear is so immediate. It's just like Maslow's hierarchy. You need mm-hmm. to take care of your fears first before you can get to that calm state of love. Right. No, the Bodhisattva shows you that we need to learn how to bring love into the most unlikely circumstances, especially Donald Trump. So I'm going to be, you know, hated mm-hmm. on this show for saying, I love Donald Trump. I love Bill Gates. I love the Rothschilds. Mm-hmm. I love the Rockefellers. Why? Because I know they need healing. I also mm-hmm. know that I need healing. And I know that me holding hate for them is only going to do one thing. And that's going to create a wedge in between me and my healing. Why mm-hmm. would I ever do that? And again, mm-hmm. they serve as a lesson. Thank you for showing me how things work. Thank you yep. for showing me how rumors get out of control. Thank you for showing me the wrong way to handle the planet and resources. And thank you, thank you, thank you at the end right. of the day. Yep. And if I can't see that, then I've missed the Tao. I've missed the lesson. 100%. I can't agree more. I, I, and that's us, you know? Like, if, it, if, if, it people are, if people are taking the psychedelics and, and learning the lessons that are there to learn, you know that everyone is us, even Donald Trump. Donald Trump is you because we're all God manifesting through creation. So, God is Donald Trump. mirrors. Mirroring us back to ourselves, yeah. 100%. God is Donald Trump. God is Bill Gates. God is these people. You're not, you you don't have to understand it. You know, the person listening right now, you don't have to understand that. But should it, should it resonate? Um, I think that it is close to truth, if not the truth, that I think most religions, philosophies, and, um, lineages kind of can tell us is that we are all of that so Mm. and and god you know we are every other person that we meet so if you do a disservice to them you're doing a disservice to you if you hate them you're sending hate to you and yeah so just sit in a higher vibration if you can and try to not hate and get in these weird low vibration feelings if you can hold a higher vibration of love you'll only grow from that it'll mm. only help you so yeah and just to, just to kind of the last thing i'll say on that is it's it's not just pseudoscience 
Um, and it's not just woo woo to say, you know, like love is the answer. Love is the medicine. Love mm -hmm. is not some wishy washy, like do whatever you want to me. I love you anyway. I'm always going to turn the other cheek. Go ahead and be a, a pedophile. Go ahead and murder those people. Go ahead and commit genocide, d pollute the planet. I don't care. I just love you. That's mm -hmm. not love. That is mm -hmm. fear. It's actually mm -hmm. fear parading as love. That's a people pleaser right there. Yeah. Real love is firm. Real love mm -hmm. is intelligent. Real love would not allow for a child to be beaten up by like, you know, adults for right. no reason at all. You know, I would, I would go to my grave to save a child from an unfair, brutal attack like that right. If, right. if it meant that there was actually a chance. And even if there wasn't a chance, I wouldn't be able to live with myself of just standing side by and like, hey guys, please yeah. stop, right? I right. wouldn't be able to live with myself. Love is not unintelligent. It's not mm -hmm. soft and goopy. Love right. knows that what's happening doesn't mean that just let the 1% do whatever they want. Just let, you know, like anyone do whatever they want. Just love mm -hmm. is just this sit in the corner of the room and smile at people. Again, let's, let's get over that small way of thinking about it. And this 100%. is why I say art. Because when you're in fear, you only think about fight, flight, or freeze. That's it. When you're in fear, that's all you can think about. You're not in an expanded state of consciousness. When, like, I don't know if anyone here, like, watches U UFC, um, but Conor mm -hmm. McGregor, everyone loved Conor McGregor, even though mm -hmm. technically once he got to his, his spot up there, he lost just as much as he won. But people mm -hmm. still love watching him fight because in the ring, he's creative, he's got interesting moving styles, and when right. you're creative, you can tell, like, yeah, there's a there's a bit of stress, but you love seeing, like, you know, Michael Jordan and, and different people who can, like, it's like they make it look so easy. How? Right. They're in the flow state. And in the flow state, the doer and the action becomes one. There's not right. even a trying. It's just they almost feel like I, I wasn't even making decisions. My body yeah. or something just took over. That's it. And in that, that is the artist getting out of your own way and allowing for it to come through. And I can say just, you know, the most difficult decisions I've ever had to make that were the actual right decisions to make, they happened in a way that I was like, I knew it was scary, my heart was pumping, but I said what I had to say and I did what I had to do anyway. And mm -hmm. afterwards, I was like, where did I get the balls to do that? Mm -hmm. Well, I just knew, love took over. I was in a I was in a physiological almost pseudo panic but love was with the steering wheel. Everything mm -hmm. else was like clouding like the the rest of the car but love was in the steering wheel and I did what I knew I had to do mm -hmm. and afterwards I couldn't explain it but I right. did it and I performed it flawlessly. I said exactly what I needed to, nonviolent communication. And when it was time for me to stop and just listen, I just naturally did it. And I and I just it took over. And that it is unconditional love. So that's yeah. what I mean. When you're in that expanded state and you can harness and you can hold the capacity, hold the charge mm -hmm. of unconditional love, you're you are the artist. You are the creator. And you realize that a lot of art is in the nuances, which is also listening. Because some of the best listeners, you feel energized after you talk to them. And you go home mm -hmm. and they're like, they barely said four words, but I feel great. <laughs> That's an art. That's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be the cup. You fill me and I will channel it so you know my heart actually heard you. Mm -hmm. That's an artist right there. Love it. Beautiful distinction. 
I think that is a great place to wrap it. Uh, thank you so much for your time, brother. That was incredible. I, I'm really stoked to put this out. Yeah, man. Um, Dude, great discourse. I have to I have to commend you on your ability to like kind of follow the the thread and follow the flow. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Really good podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot. So, um, invite the listeners to find your your website, your films, and 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 dive into your whole world. Yeah, man. D- uh, let's go to www.benjosephstewart.com. That's mm-hmm. S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Um, <clears throat> you can sign up to become a member. I have a, um, if you go to youtube.com uh, forward slash by chance or fate, if you go to that, you'll see that I have Waking Infinity News and that's in front of uh, paywall. It's it's subject to the algorithms, but because of cancel culture, uh, I, I stay as respectful to YouTube as possible, knowing that they are giving a platform. Um, mm-hmm. But then I also say things that YouTube would not allow mm-hmm. um, on the member section of benjosephstewart.com. So you can become a, a member there or go to Patreon, become a patron. And um, that's how you can find me. I have a Discord chat on my website. You can uh, get involved with the tribe. I think community is more important now than ever, really communicating with your tribe, your community. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, my films, we're going to be doing DMT Quest 2 here pretty soon. Probably next month, we're going to start launching on it. And there's a lot of bigger projects that have to do with new technology, brand new platforms, and overarching umbrella platforms for open source, decentralized conscious content to go out there mm-hmm. so it can't be mm-hmm. shut down but it's housed on servers like bitcoin it's housed on servers everywhere so it can't be robbed or um taken over and um there's a lot of cool projects coming up so if you guys want to get involved with any of this um be a part of the be a part of the group go to benjosephstewart.com love it once again thanks so much for your time everyone go check out the works of ben stewart he's an awesome guy doing awesome things Uh, Thanks again. All right, guys. Much love. Peace, guys.